And if we love him, our great joy will be to worship and adore him. And the hunger of our hearts will be to hear him as he speaks to us through his word. So I want you to pray with me a very simple prayer before we start this morning. I want you just to pray in your own heart. Lord, would you remove all of the distractions of this week and would you remove anything that would cause my mind to wander this morning and would you speak to my heart through your word would you just pray that Lord we thank you that the Bible is your word. You inspired it. You reveal yourself and you speak to your people through your word. And Jesus, we pray today that you would speak to each of our hearts. We pray you take your word and you would apply it to our lives so that we can respond obediently and lovingly and worshipfully to you for I pray in Jesus name amen and amen we'll take your Bibles and open them up this morning to Genesis uh, chapter six and we're just going to continue the series that we started last Sunday morning we're going to do it all summer long Sunday mornings Sunday evenings and that is learning from the testimonies of men and women in the Old Testament. And this morning we're going to learn from one of the most familiar stories in the Bible, from Noah. And if Noah was here with us this morning and he gave his testimony to us, there are three things that he would tell us about dark days and deep waters. I want you to read with me, uh, if you will, and Genesis 6, we'll just look at the first verses. It says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men were attractive, and they took them as wives, and they, uh, as, as any chose. <coughs> and the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for in he is flesh, and his days will be a hundred and twenty years. And the Nephilim, the giants, and the word there doesn't talk about giant in stature. They were giants in sin. And they beget man who became men of renown, renownedly sinful and mighty in sin. And then verse uh, uh, I can't even see the, the numbers with anymore. 
Y'all help me out. What is verse 5? And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the faults of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animal and creeping things and birds and heavens, for I am sorry that I made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. <coughs> if uh, Noah were to give his testimony to us today, three things he would tell us. First of all, he would tell us that true commitment to Jesus shines brightest in dark days. We just read in, in verses 5 through 7 the dark days in which Noah lived. Having rejected the Lord, the people in Noah's day had plunged into a deep pit of unspeakable lust, of perversion, and brutality, and every ugly depravity that can come out of the heart of any human. It was a day of great wickedness. The, the setting of it <coughs> was the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. Now, some say that means that, that the fallen angels married women. I don't believe that because I go back to creation and God is very specific that, that every kind brings forth after its kind. There is no cross species in all of the Bible. There is no basis for evolution whatsoever. Every, every animal, every person brings forth after their kind. So what is the meaning? I think it is that the godly lion of Seth intermarried with the ungodly lion of Cain. And whenever the godly weds the ungodly, they're going to be brought down. And so over the period of years, there is now this, this breed of people who are called Nephilim, giants of sin, men renowned in sin, and they become utterly wicked in every way. So much so that God said, because of their wholehearted plunge into sin, that it grieved his heart, and that he was sorry that he had created them, and that he is going to destroy them. He's going to destroy them by the flood. I want you to know that God is holy, holy, holy. And because God is holy, he must judge sin. And that's where the day of Noah was. I want you to know we live in days of great darkness. When the legislature of California 
can pass a bill that allows abortion up to the moment of birth, and when it passes, hoop and cheer and dance. It's dark days. When the governor of the state of Virginia tries to lead his legislature to make the same kind of law, and then explains that under his plan that if a baby uh, survives an abortion and is born alive, we just keep the baby comfortable. Let the mother and doctor decide if it should survive. That's infanticide. That's murder. That's dark days. Shootings in schools, places of worship, all too common in our culture. I mean, people that just go in and randomly shoot innocent people. Dark days. The scourge of pornography. The promotion of biblical immorality. Our vice president just spoke at Liberty University's graduation and Taylor's University in Indiana's uh, graduation <coughs> to Christian universities and he called for them to stand in their identity with Christ and to adopt biblical morality, biblical uh, uh, view of marriage, a biblical view of gender identity, and he's criticized as being hater and bigoted because he just believes the Word of God. We live in dark days. Now, what do you do when you live in dark days? Do you just throw up your hands in despair? Do we just say, oh, <laughs> we can't do anything? Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, he said, you are the light of the world. And a light, you don't light a candle and then put a, a, a bushel basket over it, hide it so it can't have influence, but you lift it up on a lampstand. And I want you to know if America ever needed God's people to be the light of the world, it is today. Now that was what Noah was in his day. He lived in a day of great darkness. And yet, as you read through Genesis 6, there are six characteristics that really emerge out of his life that, that distinguishes him as being a bright light in a very dark world. Let me give them to you. First of all, Noah was a man of grace. You, you find that in, 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 in verse 5. He says, but Noah found, or verse 6, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That word favor means grace. He was dependent upon grace. He had come to a place in his relationship with the Lord that he was wholly dependent upon the Lord working in and through his life. The Christian life is all of grace from beginning to end. We are saved by grace, right? 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The only way that anyone can be saved is by the grace of God. But when you are saved, it doesn't end your experience of grace. In fact, it just begins it. In fact, salvation is kind of like uh, 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 the board at, at, at the swimming pool. And you get out on the springboard, and, and, and that's where grace starts. And you, you just plunge in to the world of grace. And all of life is grace. God working in and through our lives, sanctifying. He graciously uses us. He gives purpose and meaning to our life. All of it is grace. And so the first thing it says about Noah is he was dependent upon the Lord. It wasn't his energy. It wasn't his effort. It wasn't anything that he could do. It was what God could do in and through him. Secondly, <coughs> he was a godly man. Look at verse 9. It says, And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. That word right means he just lived rightly before God and he lived rightly before man. And the word blameless means that he was of good reputation. Everybody looked at that Noah's life and they knew that he walked what he talked, he practiced what he preached. His life was genuine and real. There was no mixture of hypocrisy in it. He was a man of godly character in life. Thirdly, he was a man of intimate relationship with God. Go on in verse 9. After it says he was a righteous man and blameless in his generation, it says Noah walked with God. He had that daily relationship with him. We know that that he had an intimate relationship because when God speaks to him later on in this chapter and says to him, I want you to build an ark and warns him of things not seen yet, Noah didn't say, Lord, are you sure? What did you say? He didn't question God. He didn't debate God. He just walked so close with God that when God spoke, he just did it. Noah was a bright light because he was a family man. You, you go on in that verse, and it ends with, uh, in verse 10, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that's significant that it is mentioned there because you go to Hebrews 11, and it says, by faith, Noah being warned of things not seen, yet constructed an ark to the saving of his household. His priority was family. Family coming to know Jesus. Family growing in their walk with Jesus. I want you to know, we celebrated Mother's Day last week. And I thought about my mother 
I don't know of anybody that prayed for children more other than the mother of my children. And that which was foremost in her mind was us coming to know Jesus early and walking with him all of the days of our lives. Now that's Noah. He realized living in these dark days, it would be so easy for his sons to compromise just like everybody else was compromising. It would be easy for them to feel the pressure. And so the focus of his life was upon the salvation of his family. Not only that, but Noah was an obedient man. <laughs> you come down to the end of chapter 6 and verse 22, and it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Men, can I just speak directly to you this morning? If you want to save your children and your grandchildren, you've got to be a man that walks in the grace of God. You've got to be a man who lives with, with, with sanctification being worked out in your life, growing more godly in character and conduct every day. You have got to walk with God and how, you know, you've got to be a man of obedience. We're going to talk about that tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about, about Abraham. And we're going to take a long look at what the New Testament says. Real obedience work looks like in day-to-day -day life for those who name the name of Jesus. But, but Noah was obedient. He, did. he didn't. He didn't come to the Bible and say, you know, I don't know about that. He didn't say, well, you know, I, I don't know if that applies. No, he just, here's what God says. And, and when you come to God's Word, you only have two options, obedience or disobedience. He was an obedient man. And then the sixth thing about Noah that made him such a bright light is that he was a strong witness to the world in which he lived. You go over to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 5, and it says that Noah was a herald of righteousness. Now, you know what that means? That he just talked to everyone in his day about how you become right with God. Hey, talk to them about how you be saved, how you come to the knowledge of God. He was a man who, who, who wanted more than anything else the salvation of his family, but it wasn't just me and our, my sons, I swore no more. He wanted everyone to come to know the truth. And because of that, in a dark, dark world, God uses Noah as the light. Second thing that Noah would say to us is that uh, the life of faith-filled obedience is a marathon 
and not a sprint. It's lived out over a lifetime. For a hundred and twenty years, Noah and his three sons were busy building the ark. Now they were building the ark and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. In fact, up to this time, it hadn't rained on the earth. The earth had been, been, been replenished by the heavy dew that fell every night. But God said that the day was coming, that the heavens would open and pour, and the earth would open, and water would gush up, and that the flood would cover the earth. No, nothing like that's ever happened. And here's Noah, a hundred and twenty years, building and building and building. And there's no sign of water anywhere but the dew. On top of that, he faces the continual ridicule of the world around him. I mean, everybody just laughed at Noah. Can you imagine the guys are sitting around and they're wanting something to do? Well, let's go out and, 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 and see old crazy Noah. And, and they look and they say, Noah, why are you building that boat? There's no water around. <coughs> and, and they'd make fun of him. But Noah just kept doing what God commanded him to do. A hundred and twenty years. Over and over and over. Listen to me. It's not how faith begins that matters. It's how it ends. I, uh, am grieved from those who many who share my calling. Do you know that out of those who surrender to the ministry and start out in the ministry, only 80% are still in the ministry at retirement? No, only 20%. That means 80% fall aside along the way. Some get discouraged and disheartened. Some get disqualified through immorality. They start out like a flash and then fall away. I don't know about you, but I'm just so aware that one day not too long from now, I'm going to stand before Jesus. And I'm going to give account of what I've done with my life, the life that he gave me, the family that he gave me, the call to ministry that he gave me, the relationships with others that he's given me. And the only thing that I want to hear from Jesus when I stand before him is well done, good and faithful servant. 
Real faith is persistent faith. It just believes God not in the good times, but in the hard times, the bad times, the difficult times. It just believes God at all times. And that was Noah. Now, there's a third thing that Noah would tell us if he were with us today. He'd not only tell us that we're to be bright lights in dark days, and he'd not only tell us that we're in for the marathon of believing God, not just a quick sprint here and there, but he'd also tell us that when it comes to salvation, it's better to be in and not out. God gave Noah very specific instructions for building the ark. I mean, you, you go on in, in Genesis 6, and, 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 and God gives all of the things that he is to, to do. It's to be 300 cubics in length and 50 in breadth and 30 in height. It, 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 there's to be a roof. And it's to be finished a, a, a cubic above, and it's to have a door, and and it's to have a, 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 a two, three decks, and and uh, uh, and and it's to be covered with pitch. And God gives very specific instructions. And what it is is, uh, when it comes to salvation, you come God's way or you don't come at all. That's it. God made the provision, and you do it God's way, or you don't make it. And, and, and you know, Noah and his sons had to enter the ark. It wasn't enough for them to stand outside and admire and say, boy, that's a great boat. I mean, we, we probably could run, win first place at the boat show with this one. They couldn't admire it. They couldn't just say, well, we believe in the ark. <coughs> there came the day that they had to enter in. It's not enough just to believe about Jesus. It's not enough to say, well, you know, I know that he was the Son of God. There comes that day in each of our lives where we have to enter in to a personal relationship with him. There's so many people that I share the gospel with, and they'll respond something like this, well, you know, I think I'm all right. I believe in God. And I say, well, everybody believes in God some way or another. That doesn't make you do well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I, well, the, the demons believe and tremble. The question is, have you come to a place where you believe with all of your heart that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, left heaven and came to earth, died for your sins, rose from the grave, and is the living, life-giving Lord, and you repent of your sins, and you entrust your life to him. And you have your identity as being in Christ. 
In fact, the ark in, in the Bible is, 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 is one of the great pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. One, it was God's provision for salvation. Jesus is the only provision for our salvation, isn't he? John 4, 6, 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus isn't just a good way. He's not the best way. He is the only way that anyone can be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Secondly, as, as, as the, the, uh, the, the, the ark was covered by pitch, a covering of protection, the blood of Jesus is the covering of our sin. He is our atonement. The ark had only one door, only one way in, and Jesus said clearly, I am the door. Anyone that tries to come in any other way is a thief. He doesn't know the truth. You only enter through me. And then the ark provided salvation for everyone who entered. And then the ark provided security for those that were in. And then when the door of the ark was closed, there was no other way. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the ungodly in that day? Noah's built this great boat, just believing God. Believing God for what hadn't been seen, Nothing like this has ever happened before. It's just the Word of God. God speaks. Noah believes Him. Noah obeys Him. 120 years he builds the ark. The day comes when God brings the animals. And then He commands Noah and his family to enter in. And God closed the door. And when God closed the door, no one else could get in. And when Noah and his sons and the animals are in that ark, raindrops begin to fall from heaven. And fissures begin to rupture in the earth and water gushes. And everyone is startled as the water reaches their waist. And they run to the place of the ark and they knock and they knock and they knock. But they perish because they are outside of the ark. Now listen to me. We're living in the day of grace. And God offers grace 
He says, come unto me. But the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. Right now. None of us know if tonight we're gone. We'll stand before the Lord undone. None of us know if Jesus might not just come back this afternoon. Today's the day. If you've never trusted Jesus for you to come to him, there's urgency in that. There really is. It isn't about just something that will make you better. Something that changes your life now and for eternity. We're living in dark days. And God will not be mocked. Judgment will come if there's not a spiritual awakening in our land. If there aren't bright lights who are on their knees crying out to God to use us to bring genuine revival, great waves of conversion. If that doesn't happen, God, what was it Billy Graham said? We'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he doesn't judge America for what's going on today. Bright light. What God calls you and me to be. Bright light. Love Jesus with all of our hearts. Walk in obedience to him without question. Walk intimately with him in our day-to-day living. To be the bold witnesses that penetrate the lostness that's all around us with the good news of the gospel. So that's the call to God's people, and then the call to you. If you're not, if you're here and you've never really come to that place of repentance and trusting Jesus and coming into a, a, a real relationship with Him, I want to ask you to do that this morning.